on the latest episode of Fangin. This is my first time watching The Muppet Show on Disney Plus right now. Oh, you're so lucky. I'm re-watching them at the moment. It's fun, isn't it? I don't understand, like, all of a sudden this cult of Kermit that has arisen. Cult of Kermit? <laughs> I'm going to violently disagree with you. Violently? Yes. Like animal? <laughs> There's nothing funnier than a Muppet pulling out a gun for no reason. <laughs> Pigs in Space was genius. People were getting so mad about the warnings at the beginning. Cancel culture, cancel culture. They just want to manufacture controversy. I'm sick of hearing the words cancel culture. Oh, don't get me started. Foreknowledge hasn't been in print for 25 years. Cancel (laughs) culture, I am a victim. I didn't even know. (laughs) To find out how to hear this and other Patreon-exclusive shows, go to patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast. That's patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast. You know what the best part of this podcast is? When it's over! (laughs) (laughs) This is Scott Bakula, and you're listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Theorizing that one could time travel within his own lifetime, Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanished. He awoke to find himself trapped in the past, facing mirror images that were not his own, and driven by an unknown force to change history for the better. His only guide on this journey is Al, an observer from his own time who appears in the form of a hologram that only Sam can see and hear. And so Dr. Beckett finds himself leaping from life to life, striving to put right what once went wrong, and hoping each time that his next leap will be the leap home. You are listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. This is episode 92, The Beast Within. Shotgun and take a look. I'm starting to worry about you, Henry. <sighs> you are. We better get out of here before Luke gets them dogs after us. Over the years, I've leaped into a lot of hairy situations. But this one was more than I expected. And even though I didn't know who I was, I did know who I wasn't. I wasn't Bigfoot. So did you get them? Them? Don't goof on me, Henry. You know I need them pills. I don't want to have any more of them fits, Henry. So did you get them? Well, I had them. Then that, uh, the kid started screaming. I fell out the window. I, I must have dropped them. I'm sorry. Your name is, uh, Henry Adams, and the little guy there is Roy... Roy Brown, you told me. What, what else? Uh, it's November 6, 1972, and you're in the mountains here in the state of Washington. Camping? No, no, you live here. You and Roy were in Vietnam together. What happened to him? He caught a bullet in the head. That's how come he's a little slow. Why are they living up here, Al? A lot of vets decided they would stay away from people when they got back home. Why? 
Well, simple. No people, no war. Well, then why am I here? Don't know yet. Ziggy's still working on the data. Why don't you check in the shack there? Did you check the shack? There might be something in there to help you figure this out. Henry's journal was as moving and honest as anything I'd ever read. And the story it told was as unbelievable as it was tragic. Piece of the puzzle? Al, there were four of them who went off to Vietnam. High school buddies. Look, according to the journal, John Burke was the ranking officer on all sweep and destroy missions. Now, he tells Luke to go and secure an enemy hooch, but Luke refuses. So then John goes in instead, and there's an explosion. Well, he could have been brought up on charges. If that journal is correct, he was disobeying orders. Yeah, except that there were only two witnesses, and neither one of them ever came forward. Yeah, Henry and Roy. You got it. Well, no wonder Luke wanted to keep them out of the picture. They're the only ones that know what really happened. Unless maybe the wife, let's see, the wife's name, Karen, you suppose she knew? So what are you going to do about Henry and Roy? I'll do my job. Luke, Henry didn't mean to scare Daniel. He just wanted Roy's medication, that's all. Roy was sick. He needs the medication to control his seizures. Why didn't he come in to see a doctor like everybody else? Because he knows that you'll arrest him and put him in jail. Karen, he's a thief. A thief. He stole a couple of chickens because he was hungry. Why can't you just let this look, go? Look, I don't make the law. I just enforce it. <laughs> Roy, what's happening? I thought you said he didn't die until tomorrow night. Uh, that's right, he does. But the seizures must be getting stronger or something the more he's off of the medication. I gotta get him into town. He's gotta see a doctor. Uh, no, you can't do that. If you take him into town, Luke will arrest him. I don't have a choice on this. Just listen to me, Sam. You gotta buy an extra day or two for Roy until this new doctor gets into town. And, and not go into town yourself because you'll get arrested and then he'll be a dead man. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast, everyone. I'm Christopher DeFilippis. I'm Allison Pregler. And I'm Matt Dale. Who's Bigfoot in this situation? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I fit the suit. How about you, Matt? <laughs> I don't have the shoulders for it. Well, you know, clowns have very big feet. <laughs> clowns wear really big shoes. Didn't he just, he say literally, call me Bigfoot? <laughs> yes. Yes. Just call me Bigfoot. Uh, what episode was that? It, was it Dr. Ruth? Dr. Ruth. Yeah. It wasn't, um... Leaping of the Shrew, right? I feel like there was some some puns, some double entendre happening there. No, yes, no, no, no. This was remember this. This had to do with the love muscle. Love muscle is the sure. size of a man's foot related to. Okay, yeah, all right. And that's where we got the wonderful expression "love muscle." Love muscle. So, <laughs> yeah, um, but we're not talking about Doctor Ruth today. If you guys uh, are confused out there, we are talking about Bigfoot because today it's time for our review of the Beast within and uh bigfoot it's <laughs> gonna be a struggle today da, 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 da. Oh, you guys <laughs> i'm i'm honestly I'm, I'm a little bit at a loss i mean I, I do have a lot of opinions about this episode but um why don't we just begin with some initial impressions matt i want to hear from you first because it seems to me like you have some some I don't know, positives? Yeah, I mean, this. I don't love this episode, but I, I've got to say the... Yeah, when I first saw this, this was the Bigfoot episode. And for years, this was the Bigfoot episode. But you know what? It's not the Bigfoot episode. Any more than how the test was won is the Buddy Holly episode. 
It's it's just the the Bigfoot thing is nothing to do with the plot. There's a kid in it that's that's a wee bit obsessed with Bigfoot, and then he shows up at the very end. It yeah. Anyway, so we, we'll we'll get into this a lot later. But um, I bet John D'Aquino loves you for going. It's not the Bigfoot episode. <laughs> it's it's not, and it's it's an episode that has pros and cons, and it, it's an episode, and we'll I, I'm sure we'll end up talking about this more. It's an episode that I've got some connections to because I developed epilepsy mm. late in life myself, so I feel a personal connection there. But I think even before that, I I'd started to reevaluate the episode as being. One that is about homeless vets and the, the the treatment of vets after their back. There's there's so much to unpack in this episode besides just Bigfoot. Yeah, it's so. Yes, I have some positives about it as well as some critiques. But Bigfoot is is not really important enough to talk about. All right. Well, how about you, Allison? The problem for me is that it's not the Bigfoot episode. <laughs> <laughs> so you prefer it if it was the Bigfoot episode? If you're telling me in the opening leap-in, that that's Bigfoot. You better have Sam leap into Bigfoot. Yes. (laughs) I want to see Sam getting hunted by cryptids, running around in the woods, cryptozoologists or whatever, being a cryptid, running around in the woods. If you're going to, like, don't tease us with this and then give us another Vietnam story. Because, like, they've done a lot of Vietnam stories. (laughs) I'm glad you said another Vietnam story, because, yeah, Don is obsessed with them. They've done, I think it's just, like... One of the lesser Vietnam stories. Like, I appreciate what's put into it, and I think if you remove it from the other Vietnam stories of Quantum Leap, like, uh, it's fine. But um, I just feel like it's it, it feels like a bit of a retread to me. And if you're going to throw in the Bigfoot stuff, like, it's just like, well, that would have been a more interesting episode, to I, be honest. Uh, I should have <laughs> I should have predicted this. I didn't. This really makes me happy that the, the thing that you don't like about it is not enough Bigfoot. <laughs> I love that. Give me more Bigfoot. It's, it's the, like the vampire problem. If you're going to do a vampire episode, you do a vampire episode. If you're going to do Bigfoot, you do Bigfoot. But the problem problem here is that um it wasn't written to be about bigfoot at all like that stuff was tacked on later that wasn't even the story that john diakino wrote so yes it's it feels as tacked on as it was and that is my initial impression um tacked on shoehorned in for absolutely no reason i think that this could have been a very good episode because it really wanted to tackle some serious issues or it seemed to anyway and I I don't know how well it did that. That's a whole separate discussion. But what the hell was Bigfoot doing in this story? It had <laughs> nothing to do with the rest of the plot. And it just seemed like, here we go with another, I'm going to say it again, season five gimmick. Because now it's we have to have a gimmick. It can't just be that we have a gimmicky season. Now every episode has to have a gimmicky twist. And can we get into what you were talking about, Allison? They said originally that... Bigfoot wasn't in this. What what power that be said, okay, we need to switch this around, <laughs> take this very serious Vietnam story that could be very poignant, and then put like a Bigfoot <laughs> story into it. How did that happen? I mean, there's two writing credits on this. It's John Diacchino and Donald Belisario. And John Diacchino is the one who said, like, this isn't what I wrote. So I guess Donald Belisario must have had his hand in that. This was from a, an interview in a fanzine, wasn't it, Matt? Where he said that? I think it was like in one of the quantum quarterlies or something like that, maybe. Yeah, this I mean there's there's been there's been comments on I'm sure yeah, Tommy Thompson's 
said stuff about this um about the the kind of the co-writing to the uh to the podcast and john even said it in his interview with albie too oh it's in the interview okay yes there we go so um yeah, so so John, yeah, mentioned in his interview uh, with us back in 2014, I don't believe I actually put Bigfoot in my episode that got added through the staff. I remember Scott being really unhappy about that, <laughs> and he thought I did it. And then, yeah, in the Quantum Quarterly, he said, I've, I've watched it once, I can't watch it again. They didn't shoot my episode, that's the truth. <laughs> Hmm. I'm, I'm so, out of all those details, I love the fact that Scott Bakula in particular is like, the stupid Bigfoot? What is this Bigfoot doing in this episode? To be honest, like, I felt like the person most embarrassed was Dean Stockwell, because in that very last scene, like, it felt like he was embarrassed to be shooting it. Yes. I didn't notice that, but... One thing I did notice is they must have been in some really cold environments because they're not even pretending that Al is in the waiting room and can't feel what's going on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Love that. He's got on parkas and gloves and hats. and it's <laughs> Dean Stockwell is like, screw this. I'm wearing a big coat and gloves. <laughs> Who cares? It's fantasy. <laughs> you can see his breath through half of it. I mean, yeah, yeah the... They could have added a line in about how something was going on with the temperature in the uh, in the imaging chamber. Al's going with the theme, you know, making Sam feel like, you know, he's part of the environment. That's all. Yeah, he's LARPing. He's, he's called LARPing. <laughs> <laughs> if it was called, this is what I'd be wearing. <laughs> it's 115 in the desert today. <laughs> And the cigar covers up the breath. That's why he smokes a cigar, yeah. right? Yeah. It's actually very late at night for him, so it's cold. That's right. It's in the middle of the night at the project. This is one of those cases where like I like you get you understand completely why he's dressed like is it, he is, so I don't really particularly care if they put a line in or not. Like I'd rather the actors are not <laughs> freezing their asses off. Yes. Yeah, that's for sure. And I am so happy that we sort of set the record straight or got whatever is on the record from John regarding this, because I'll have a much easier time talking about the significant shortcomings of The Beast Within. I feel like John has been a friend to the show, and um, I don't want to just trash something that has his name on it, but this could have been and should have been so much better because it felt like they were trying to do a traditional leap. Mm-hmm. And they don't try to do that very often in season five. Well, if, if you remove the, the Bigfoot element, like, it's a perfectly serviceable story. It's not one I'm that into, but, like, I don't think, like, the writing's particularly bad. Even, I mean, the, the most of the Bigfoot element is that there is a kid in it who is interested in Bigfoot. It really is only that final scene. If you take out that final shot... Yeah, right. Kids interested in Bigfoot. That really shouldn't be problematic either. I kind of wonder if the original opening was just like Sam in a window and a little boy screaming. And then they're like, this kind of looks like he leaped into like a predator going after a child. And maybe they're like, how do we, how do we just lure people in? What is something we could do to kind of lighten this and, and show that this is not a like heavy episode? Uh, well, I mean, I guess it is a little heavy, but they're like, it's not that. So they're like, I don't know. Maybe he thinks he's Bigfoot or something. He's like a big hairy guy and he's got a big coat on. They're like, okay. And they're like, what if we, we added that as the twist? Yeah, that I, maybe that's kind of how the trail of thought went into this. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I mean, you got to get super specific to leap right to Bigfoot. 
that to me seems premeditated, like somebody wanted a Bigfoot story, whether it be Don or someone who got to Don's ear. Maybe the network was like, add another gimmick, lure him in. Yeah. They were like, well, could we get Bigfoot into the Marilyn Monroe episode? Probably <laughs> not. Was was Bigfoot around during the Civil War? <laughs> ah, fuck it, this Nam episode, that's a good one. <laughs> it was so disappointing to me the first time I watched this when I was like, oh, Bigfoot, and then you get into it and I'm like... It's another stupid Vietnam story. Like, I was so sick of Vietnam stories by that point. <laughs> like, I was like, you're not even doing... And, you know, um, and, and this that was a little unfair because I do think that the, the writing is good. And they are covering a, a little bit of something else from uh, the fallout of Vietnam. But, like, mm. I, I also feel like part of this also, the, the episode feels a bit disconnected uh, from Sam. Because a lot of the stuff is happening to the people around him. And I believe this was at the point, um, we're, we're nearing the end of the show, uh, where they were like, please write in some more scenes that do not involve Scott Bakula. So they have a lot of scenes with the family. And it is, um, a tight little family drama, but it's not a family I, I'm particularly connected to or I, I care about that much. That was the biggest issue that I had with this script, aside from, a lot of repetitive dialogue and a lot of repetitive scenes, which just seemed to be filler. I didn't care at all about any of the characters by the end of it. Like, I, I didn't care. Even the, the guy who was, his name was Roy, the one who had the head wound and was really messed up, who was Sam was taken care of. I mean, he should have been the heart of the episode and mm -hmm. sort of like the lesson, the parable, like Quantum Leap tends to do, gives you sort of an example of this is something that we need to address in our society. And Homeless Vets is an excellent topic for the show to try to take on. But at the end of the day, the character Roy just was not compelling to me in any way. I didn't feel bad for him. I didn't feel particularly bad for the situation that all of the guys found themselves in post-war. And I mean, going back to this gratuitous flashback scene, how many times did we see that, that, that hut blow up? <laughs> It felt very by the numbers, like war is hell. And now we're going to have to deal with war is hell. And I, I, I didn't find much meat there. It seemed to be very repetitive, directionless, and not have a core that I could latch on to. Well, Matt, I know you said that um, the, the story elements involving Roy had more of a personal meaning to you. So was this something that, that helped you to get more into the story? Yeah, I, th this is the thing I've been trying to figure out because I I got really into Quantum Leap when I was researching for the book, which was after my diagnosis. So I, I try and remember what I used to think about this episode before then and if that's actually changed it. And it probably has um, because I think I do connect to it more uh, for that reason. So yeah, I I don't know. It's hard to say. I was, I was listening to what Chris was saying about you know not not really caring about or not 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 connecting to the character of Roy, and I do wonder if I do feel that connection. And is it is it just as simple as because he has a very similar condition to me, and that that seems like a really base way to actually connect emotionally to something, but um, but it's certainly it is there for me, and I think the actor did a really good job with it. 
as did uh, Scott as well. But I also appreciate that the vast majority of people out there do not have epilepsy, and the script should be servicing everyone. And yeah, would I've would I've connected with the character of Roy? Um, maybe not, or the the whole plot about that in general. I mean, I found Roy to be um, one of the more interesting characters hmm. in the episode, and he was the one that was spending the most time with Sam's character as well, so they had this time to connect. A lot of the stuff with the family is their own separate issues that they're working – well, they're not separate, but they're dealing with these things separately, and it all converges in the end. And Roy had a lot of stuff to overcome. Like He was a little bit off, but – still coherent you know he was dealing with the trauma from the war and from his uh, injury and his uh, claustrophobia and stuff like that and i thought the scenes with him and daniel were interesting where they're just talking about bigfoot or talking about the war and um, daniel was asking about his father his biological father who he knew your daddy taught me that move were you with him when he died oh uh, oh uh, yeah uh, I was with him. How did it happen? And that was bringing up a lot of uh, bad memories for him. And that's maybe somewhere else that I, I connected to the episode. Certainly, yeah, I would have done back when it first aired, that my father also died when I was quite young. I didn't know him that well. And my mum ultimately and naturally moved on. So probably when I was about Daniel's age, I was getting used to having stepfather-type figures in my life. Um, I, nev- I never got the chance to have a, a heart-to-heart with a Roy and to have that kind of discussion. But um, yeah, I think that that probably also got me, again, you know, something very personal and specific to me that slants my view of this episode. But uh, that's, that's the lens I would have been viewing it through when I was younger. I don't, I don't think it, like, slants anything, though. I mean, like, if you find a personal connection, that's good. Like, when you're watching it, like, even if it's not something that's personal to you, like, you can still have empathy for the characters and um, enjoy the story. And I did like those parts of it. That's that's the thing, though. I, I, I always question myself when I find myself enjoying something and I know it's because... I've got that that kind of that level of connection. The writing doesn't have to be that good. It can be good, but it doesn't have to be. So that's that's where I think it, it makes my, my view, like I say, it's is potentially slanted. I'm interested to hear what you guys think of those sort of elements. But what I think of it, it doesn't necessarily make it a good script or well written. It just coincidentally pushes those buttons for me. I, I honestly, I don't think this is a badly written script. I mean, the Bigfoot thing is tacked on and <laughs> it feels tacked on. But as far as the stuff uh, about uh, Roy and about the family, like, I feel like it's well written. I just don't know, like, if it's that interesting of a quantum leap to me. But I don't think like, I mean, if I was going to sit down and write a story like this, it might be kind of similar. Hmm. I, you know, Matt, I, I don't think that you should... It seems to me you're questioning the validity of your feelings for this episode based on how certain elements touch you personally, how you reflect on them because of your own personal experiences. But isn't that 
everything that we watch and consume and why we connect to things, it's going to touch you personally in some way, even if it's this one speaks more directly mm. to you uh, because of um, certain elements that mirror your own uh, experiences. It doesn't diminish or it shouldn't diminish your feelings of of. of of, of liking this episode or i know i'm not saying this very coherently i'm sorry guys. <laughs> no you 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 are because i i think you you're summarizing what i'm saying um and it is yeah i i feel quite comfortable in the fact that i like this episode and, and the reasons why but when it's something that i'm not directly connecting to i can feel quite comfortable saying hey i like this script this is well written this is enjoyable you should go and watch it all i can say is I recommend this episode if you or a loved one uh, suffers from epilepsy or if you have a, a some kind of similar background to Daniel or both. I can say, yeah, I, I recommend it on those those that, that basis, but that is a limited audience. Um, as, as far as how they handled the epilepsy elements, I feel there was some stuff that was a little outdated in it, right? Like the stuff like putting yeah. something in his mouth and stuff like, like that's not something you're supposed to do. What are you doing? Trying to keep him from swallowing his tongue. Uh, Ziggy says he's got to just ride it out. No, and that that was well known by then. And that was well known by the time of the Boogeyman, when Sam did that the first time. It's the second time in the series that a character has had a seizure and they've shoved something in their mouth. And uh, I was so pleased that, yeah, Al said, Al gave exactly the right advice, which is, no, don't do that. Just let him let him ride it out and that's that's the absolute right advice so at least they put right something that had gone wrong a couple of seasons before um but yeah i, I, I was surprised to see sam a medical professional actually doing that um because that was quite outdated even by that point wasn't it like some like bs thing too where they're like they'll swallow their tongue if they do that which is yeah. like not even like possible try swallowing your tongue they could bite their tongue off is what I heard when I was growing up. Like, because, yeah. yeah, maybe their teeth will, like, clench and then they'll damage themselves. Anyway, that was the reason I was given when I was a kid that you would put something in someone's mouth when they were having a seizure. I think, though, it's just become shorthand for seizures on TV. It's yeah. kind of like, you know, instant hypnotism or CPR not breaking somebody's sternum. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. I mean, I'm glad that it's something they've phased out, though, because, like, you know, what you watch on TV affects what you think in real life. So if enough people saw something like that, they'd think, oh, that's what you're supposed to do during a seizure. And um, there's more potential to, to injure someone than them accidentally biting their tongue or any of those other things that they wouldn't swallow their tongue. But <laughs> That's the thing. If I was out in the middle of the street and had a seizure, I would rather wake up with a bleeding tongue than with mashed up teeth because somebody had shoved something in my mouth and it's it's a lot harder to repair teeth. Matt, what would you recommend someone do like if you saw someone have a seizure on the street? Like should you get like a, a pillow, protect their head, or you just just wait it out? Yeah, make sure that they're as comfortable as possible and that there's nothing around that's dangerous. Yeah, if you've got a pillow or something, that's that's good. But even if not, at least just make sure they've got space. Start timing it, um, because if it's somebody you don't know and it's been going on for more than about five minutes, that's the time to get an ambulance. But don't get an ambulance immediately. Um, certainly in America, I know there's, there's like there's costs involved in getting into hospitals, but even yeah, there's some people that really do not want you to call yes. an ambulance, if, especially if seizures are recurring in their life. 
Yeah, it's just, it's unnecessary. It, you know, even in the UK where we don't have that problem, it's still a massive overreaction to something that looks terrifying. And I, I have a friend who's got epilepsy as well, and I've seen it, and I know it's not pleasant to see. But actually, it's not as big a deal as it seems. So, yeah, it's just a matter of give them space, talk to them as they're coming round. Um, yeah, for me personally as well, actually, even just giving them space while they're coming round, I've had people right up in my face as I'm coming round saying, are you okay? Are you okay? What's going on? And it, it's it's a bit bloody disorienting. So, um, yeah, just just staying calm. But, but yeah, the, the timing thing is important because, um, yeah, afterwards one of the questions is, is going to be how long did it last for? Was it longer or shorter than their normal? And if it's somebody you don't know, then um, at least being able to give that data is, is really useful. If, um, if it was in the middle of the street, say like... Uh you know, when there's traffic coming, would you uh, recommend moving the person? If if they're in some kind of danger, then you certainly can move someone. Um, you've just got to do it carefully, because obviously the thrashing around, it's going to be quite difficult to do without hurting yourself or them. But if you can prevent moving them, then don't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then the obvious thing, whenever anyone's had any kind of episode of anything, get them into the recovery position afterwards. Now, what is the recovery position? Oh, you know, I can never remember. That's kind of on your side, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's not just an epilepsy thing. That's just uh, anything when you've had some kind of accident. The recovery position is on your side, slightly curled up, isn't it? A little okay. bit. Um, I mean, is that like in case they've like vomited or anything like that, maybe? I'm thinking, yeah, it's so the airway can stay clear. Okay. Yes. I'm j- I'm, you know what? We're learning a lot here. I'm. Yeah, good. Yeah. yeah. I, I should know more about the recovery position, to be honest, because that's, that, as I say, that's a really generic thing um, for anyone that's unconscious, and I can never remember how to do that myself. But yeah, the, the main thing about the actual seizure itself is they don't usually last long. They're nowhere near as bad as they look, um, or nowhere near as dangerous as they look uh, for most people. Um, it's just, yeah, it's it's quite a scary thing. Now, Matt, do you recommend if I see someone having a seizure that I go running off into the woods to find some lobelia to make them some tea? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Actually, let's talk about the the running off thing. Okay. Um, Because, yeah, going going back to making sure they're kept safe, don't fucking leave them sat next to a fire and go off. I know know at the time Roy wasn't having a seizure, but they were so convinced he was going to have a seizure. And it sounds like, hey, you just sit there by that fire and I'm going to go off and try and get your medication. (laughs) Probably should have just got him away from the the fire. The, oh, there's other stuff about that I could talk about. He just came back and he was in flames. Like, oh my god! What well, this is the thing, right? Death directly from a seizure is very rare. It happens, but it's very rare. Most people who die during seizures die because of something that's happened to them during the seizure. So this whole thing of um, yeah, Roy's going to have a seizure tomorrow night and die. They never actually find out what he's going to die from. It could just be a case of wrap him up in cotton wool, stick him somewhere safe, and he'll be fine. We we never find out if he's going to die from the seizure or if he's going to die because he's climbing some rocks and falls down or something like that. Yeah, I mean, something could have happened during the seizure. I imagine, like, in the rare case, there could be, like, some sort of, like, aneurysm or something involved. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, so there's something called SUDEP, which is um, sudden unexpected death from epilepsy, which is where you have a seizure and just never recover. That accounts for about one in every thousand epileptics dies from that. So it's it's not uncommon, but equally it's a small enough percentage that 
yes, Sam and Al should have been finding out more about his death. And uh, then, sure. yeah, looking at other ways to present it. Uh, but yeah, in terms of, um, I, I mean, ultimately a seizure is the, the brain firing off neurons too much. And yeah, the, the, there are various herbal medications that can calm the brain. Cannabis oil is is known to be an option. Lobelia is not, apparently. I did look into that. But um, oh. but yeah, I mean, a- anything that is likely to calm you is a potential herbal treatment. So is that you're saying that our lesson in homeopathic pharmacology was wrong in this episode? Don't use Lobelia. I'm afraid so. <laughs> I just love how Sam is running around the woods like Samwise Gamgee. Lobelia, who's she? It's not a she, it's a plant. Uh, an, an herb, actually. It looks like a weed, right? But it's got blue and white flowers that are split down the middle. Sam, do you know the Athelas plant? Athelas? Kingsfoil. Kingsfoil, ah, oh, it's a weed. Kingsfoil, ah, oh, it's a weed. <laughs> I, d- I did like Al going, like, does he smoke it does or he snort it? <laughs> smoke or? it or snort no, 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 no. it? You know Al's had some experience with some <laughs> no. of this stuff. <laughs> How exactly are you taking this drug? <laughs> you snort the flower? <laughs> I don't. I don't know all the detail. I, I don't know if uh, having some marijuana is going to help, but um, you know, it's it's ultimately it is all about keeping the brain calm. Mm-hmm. It's um, stress is a trigger for most people, and it's clearly a trigger for Roy. So yeah, anything that's going to keep his brain nice and chilled out is going to help. So I don't know why they invented this whole thing with Lobelia because I'm sure there's loads of herbs out there that grow naturally that are known for calming people but yeah whatever it's a minor issue um because broadly the point is kind of correct you know and it's it's one of the things that i feel like the the episode wanted to touch on in a bigger way but which where it just kind of fell short it's sam scavenging in the woods to get medicine that this dude obviously needs, yet he can't go into town to get it because they'll be persecuted for stealing a couple chickens I mean, that that's basically what they're talking about here. And I feel like they want to make like a bigger point about the marginalization of vets after they returned from the war. But I felt like it was just wrapped up in such a weak story. And the character of Luke, who played the mean sheriff, was just an absolutely reprehensible human being. Can I say one other thing about you? You mentioned the medication, and sorry, there was of all the the educational stuff that I really wanted to cover off in this episode. There was one thing that isn't really an educational thing, but you just reminded me the medication. The line in this episode that really bugs me so much: trauma from the head wound affected the parts of the brain that control the central nervous system. The phenytoin must keep it in check somehow. Sam, a medical professional, says that the phenytoin must keep the seizures in check somehow. <laughs> like it's this kind of weird <laughs> mystical shit. It's a fucking drug. It's like you you wouldn't say like, oh yeah, the, this this guy's got cancer. The chemotherapy must be keeping it in check somehow. Like, that's just phenytoin that- <laughs> is a drug for seizures. It's it just that's just what it does. So this must keep it in check somehow. Line just seems so uncharacteristic of a medical doctor. For any drug, not just for epilepsy, but why would it must keep it in check somehow? You think there was like some other like herbs and stuff out in the woods, but then like Bigfoot smoked them all. (laughs) (laughs) That's why Bigfoot was so mellow. 
you know? <laughs> Yo. I'm sure that line bugged me back when I first saw it. This isn't an epileptic speaking. This no, is just... No, it is a dumb way to word it. It is. I didn't think yeah. about it, but you're absolutely right. But yeah. also give Sam the benefit of the doubt. Like, maybe he doesn't remember his whole pharmacology class. But if somebody is on prescription medication, just fundamentally, you don't have to understand what it does. I wouldn't have heard of phenytoin back then, but just knowing, all right, something's wrong with him. He's having some medication. It stops that thing from happening. You would assume that he'd been prescribed it by a doctor that knows what he's doing. You wouldn't say, oh, that must have this weird effect that somehow... (laughs) Yeah, that makes it seem like it's something unrelated, but it just happens to help with the seizures. Yeah, we we don't know how phenytoin does what it does, but I I guess coincidentally, yeah, it's not a side effect. I I look at all that stuff like he's going to die from the seizures and this is a medication that must somehow circumvent the seizures. It's just economy of storytelling. They're just sort of saying, hey, dumb audience, um, this is this and this is this. Somehow it'll do the thing. I don't know (laughs) how, audience, but just believe me. (laughs) That's the way I looked at it there. I mean, I didn't even notice that line, to be honest. I'm with you in terms of the, yeah, the, the point I made earlier about the fact that, yeah, he might not, how he dies from the seizure. Yeah, of course you jump straight to it's the seizure itself that's going to kill him, not... So I, I get that. I mean, that's just me being picky. No, oh, and this is much more valid than the bullshit I've complained about when they do like a journalism episode. So I get it, man. I, <laughs> yeah. I know. I know what it's like to know about something and then see it on TV wrong. But it, it's, it's yeah, it's that it must keep it in check somehow line. That just bugs me as making Sam look dumb. There was a couple uh, trains of thought I was going on in the middle of this, but I, I did want to um, go to the, the point about ostracizing vets when they come back from Vietnam. Like, I think that's part of it, which is why they're out living in the woods. But I think a huge part of it, especially with Luke, it's not because they're being ostracized because of what happened in Vietnam. It's because he's trying to cover up what happened. Yeah. He doesn't mm-hmm. want it to get out. He thinks it's going to destroy his family. It's going to make him lose his wife. And he's not dealing with what happened. So um, that's the whole re- – but I mean, I, I find the whole thing I, – I don't know what the accounts of actual vets uh, who lived out in the woods – I don't know how exactly that played out with any of it. But the whole like, they just stole some chickens. Stealing chickens. What? Just feels like something out of like Disney's Aladdin. Like, I just needed to steal a crust of bread because <laughs> I was yeah, hungry. Yeah. Like, I don't know. That that part seems a little – Very lame is. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. That whole backstory, um, since you mention it, just speaking as a Brit, um, yeah, we, we do have our own problems with vets coming back and being homeless and ending up on the streets. But the idea of uh, vets living out in the woods, it, that's so alien to me as a Brit. I cannot comprehend that. Still, no matter how many times I watch this episode, it seems really unrealistic, even though I'm sure it is a, it is a thing. It just, I, yeah, I struggle to actually connect. This episode actually walked a weird line with it because I think it was obvious that they were trying to highlight the plight of homeless vets and them not being able to fit back into society. But from what Al said, this was all by choice. They were living up there because they wanted to. No no people, no war. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really think it was about being ostracized. I think it was because, like Al said, like you don't have to deal with people when you're out there. Like some vets just didn't want to be part of that anymore. And part of that might've been um, because of how they were treated. 
But it wasn't like they were forced to stay in the woods. They were, if anything, they were forced to stay in the woods because of Luke. Yeah. But that was because <laughs> of his whole, whole deal. Well, I mean, Luke's plight is obviously where they drew the um, inspiration for the title of the episode, even though um, it also has a double meaning with the Bigfoot thing. I mean, it's just the guilt that these guys carry around and, and sort of the burden and the PTSD. I mean, that's the beast within. Yeah. And that's why I... I I was so I was ready for this one to touch me in a way that a lot of the other Vietnam episodes and a lot of just like very poignant episodes of Quantum Leap can do when they're trying to tackle a, a difficult subject. But uh, again, um, all the story choices here seemed wrong to me. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was the performances. I don't know if it was the writing. I think it was just a combination of all of the things completely failing to gel. Mm. As far as I was concerned. I did want to point out, too, that Luke uh, was played by Pat Skipper, uh, who was also in M.I.A. as uh, Tequila. Oh, really? Ah. Tequila and Boner, the two, uh, yeah, the guy who's like, this is uh, police brutality. (laughs) 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 He got blown away with a shotgun. (laughs) That was a better Vietnam episode. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was MIA, you think? <laughs> yeah, MIA. Yeah, well, that also talked about, like, the fallout from the war, what happens afterwards, how vets are treated, how uh, PTSD affects them. And I felt like this episode, while it is solidly written, I just don't feel like it connected that much. Like, it, it didn't, it felt like kind of a run of the mill Vietnam story to me. Yeah, and I think it was also rife with just, like, bullshit story conventions. I mean, what was this, the parallel scrapbook scene? It's like these guys are both scrapbookers, and, (laughs) you know, they're looking at the same newspaper clipping at the same time. I mean, to me, that was just like, come on. Can I ask a question? That that newspaper clipping, am I the only one that thought the the really smiley guy in the middle looked like John D'Aquino? I, I assume it's not, but it really, every time I see that, I'm just convinced it's him. No, because it's the four actors that were in the flashback. Is that one in the middle, actually? In the f- Okay. All yeah, right. because he's the one who died. Oh, he's, he's the right. one that goes in the hut and gets blown up. Not John, then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was the four of them, because, of course, they were all wrestling buddies, and then they were in the same platoon in Vietnam. That's the way that works. It always happens that way. Was, the, was Pat Skipper the only one from present day that was playing his past self? Because he was in there, right? No, no, uh, Sean Sullivan was there as Roy. Of course, the Leapy, I guess whoever the mirror was, was playing Sam's character. Oh, I see. And then you never saw um, really the dad that died. He's the one that went to the hut and blew up. And I guess that okay. was, you know, that, that picture that they made in the newspaper was sort of like a, a mashup of all of them in wrestling onesies. Okay. Well, clearly, if you didn't see him very well, that could very easily have been John D'Aquino's brother. <clears throat> or something. Yeah, maybe it was someone he knew. He's like, you can be in this Bigfoot episode. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just, it was like too many plot conveniences. It's like, not only is there a scrapbook that Sam can look in, but there's also this handy diary that can give us a big heap and helping of exposition. Oh, wait a minute. Who's having this flashback? When they went to the flashback, I was thinking, how does this fit in? Is Sam psychosynergizing? Is he remembering? Is it like, no, he's just reading it and imagining it. This is Sam's mind's eye. Yeah, that seemed to be the scene where Sam was most connected to the person that he leaped into. Hmm. And it just didn't feel, it just didn't connect. Maybe because there wasn't as much personally at stake for Sam. 
a lot of it had to do with Roy, and obviously he doesn't want to lose someone, but uh, I don't know. I feel like this episode could have used more scenes of Sam uh, and a deer. <laughs> and that was adorable. <laughs> they didn't have to put a scene in there where he wakes up and a deer is there and it's very charming, but they did. Like, he's a Disney princess and it was very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, there's no arguing that point, Allison. But, uh, <laughs> but think about how much better this episode, how much more compelling this episode would have been if... Sam as the leapy was the one suffering from the seizures and it's vital to him because he might die yeah. Yeah. and they have to sort of get the medicine and do the whole thing. They could have had the same dynamic, but I think it would have given it a much more um, personal stake to the viewer to have, and to Sam mm -hmm. to say, what's going on here? How am I having these seizures? You know, maybe it's, wow. it's a psycho They're doing a lot of that in season five anyway. So that I think would be completely within the realm of what they've established mm -hmm. that he could be having these seizures and inheriting this disorder because it's all brain stuff right mm -hmm. so yeah. i think that that would have made for a much more compelling episode because then sam is freaking terrified mm -hmm. but yeah. at the same time scott's got to do a lot more freaking work and maybe they didn't want him to be so stretched i don't know if he would have had to do much more work if he just switched the roles they could have done the same scenes but he is the roy character and maybe had some stuff with Henry, the the guy that he leaped into, uh, talking to Daniel about uh, his uh, father. Like they could have switched this around. Yeah, and like maybe get here, Daniel. Here's here's this diary. You want to know about your dad? Here's you know. Yeah. There were such missed opportunities, I think, to make this a much more personal story, or anyway, a story that I felt more personally involved with. I, I think, I mean, yeah, in terms of switching, I hadn't even considered that. I think that's an amazing idea. But in terms of the extra work that Sam would have to have, or that, sorry, that Scott would have had to have done, I think that, I mean, it would have made it intense when you're told that at any point without warning, anywhere, you could just have a blackout and it might not be one that you wake up from. That's a fucking intense thing to hear. And Scott would have had to have performed that throughout the whole episode. Yeah. Aside from a couple of seizures, actually just having that running as a through line right the way through his portrayal um, would have been very heavy at the end of a long season. But it would have been much more akin to the Quantum Leap of Yore. Yeah, if he could have pulled it off, that would have been amazing. I don't doubt that Scott could have pulled it off. I just... It's just the, uh, the emotional labor, I think, is what Matt is referring to. No, no, I hear you. I just think Scott's up to that task. Sure. He definitely could pull it off, but... Um, this also was an episode they were trying to give him a break with, clearly, because yeah, there was yeah. like so much of it that's that's centered on the family. And maybe that's why it feels disconnected, because Scott Bakula is taking a back seat for large portions of it. Mm. Even like, th there's the scene, they have an off-screen car accident. I guess that's why they established yes. the deer. <laughs> like, they're like, the buck came out of nowhere and they're already, like, on the, the rocks. I don't know if maybe that was a time issue. Maybe they just uh, didn't have the money to shoot them, or maybe it was just too dangerous to, like, try and have a, a stunt person veer that truck into the rocks. I don't know. Maybe it was just lazy freaking writing <laughs> saying, hey, we need to shoehorn Bigfoot into this somehow, and uh, we need to have whatever end we're gonna have. I, I we gotta we gotta get into the gimmick. Um, 
If you guys don't mind, of course. Matt, I know. What gimmick? <laughs> I know you love the season five stuff, Matt. But <laughs> I do. I mean, when you think of the Bigfoot stuff in this, I know that this episode speaks to you personally on many, many levels. Do you find the Bigfoot element, I'm sorry, insulting? Uh, I, yeah, again, I think probably looking back, um, when I used to think of this as the Bigfoot episode, it bothered me. Honestly, I think of this now in the same way as I think of how the test was won as the Buddy Holly episode. That is, that's literally, I. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a, that's a beautiful analogy. I forget the Bigfoot element most of it. So yeah, it's, it, it bothers me when I'm watching it and it comes up and I think, oh, but then it's gone. It's just, it's not my mental shortcut when I think of this episode. Frankly, is it's the epilepsy episode. That's that's just it. I do not think of this as the Bigfoot episode anymore. So I can certainly cope with it because I minimize it a lot mentally. I compartmentalize it. Yeah. I mean, I really wanted, again, because of the double, sort of the double meaning of the title, I wanted to find the Bigfoot thing as more metaphorical, as making some bigger point within the episode to sort of punctuate what these guys were going through. But it really just was an add-on that had absolutely no connection. And I was striving throughout the episode saying, where's the metaphor? Where's the metaphor? There's got to be a yeah. metaphor here. Why would you put Bigfoot in? It's it's metaphor obvious. Uh, nope. There's a, a documentary on Hulu, um, like a three or four part uh, miniseries called Sasquatch. Uh, that centers around uh, this guy who heard the story while working on a cannabis farm <laughs> that Sasquatch murdered these people. There was these dead bodies and they murdered people. And years later, he was like, I want to find out, did did Bigfoot kill this person? <laughs> and so uh, he goes and interviews a lot of people in this area around uh, where they um, grow a lot of weed and stuff like that. And uh, throughout the series it becomes clear who the real monsters are, what's really going on. It goes into a lot of dark places. And I found that very compelling. So uh, the reason I bring it up is that a Sasquatch, Bigfoot, whatever, as a metaphor for something can be done very effectively. So they could have gone in that direction and made it seem a little less goofy. Mm -hmm. And that's, I guess, maybe where I was trying to figure out, like, the level of rage in the sense that goofy is a perfect word, Allison. This is way too goofy an add-on for such serious material. It's almost insulting. Uh, it's not almost. It is insulting. It's just – and no wonder why John is apparently very pissed about how they handled it because, boy, howdy, I, I don't mind Quantum Leap veering into cryptozoology i think that that would be an awesome addition to the show if you're going to get all supernatural anyway i mean it's been somewhat supernatural from the beginning starting with troyan well and so, bigfoot also is a thing that you can easily integrate into a story that is not specifically supernatural because cryptozoology not all of it but some of it veers the line of like this could possibly happen yeah a, a giant ape could live somewhere it's not too crazy of a thing and it would be more of an adventure story, more akin to like something like Tahotep. Uh, yeah, I was thinking Tahotep as well. Mm, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. just because they had the mummy get up at the end of Tahotep, which I think is also the most fucking stupid thing I've ever seen. But <laughs> well, imagine if he was with some vets who were cryptozoologists and they were looking for Bigfoot and all of it is about the beast within. So it's, it's framed around a story wh where they're looking for Bigfoot, but 
are talking about the the beasts that they deal with all the time. You know, uh, that could have been something. But instead we get lines like, I've leaped into hairy situations before, but uh, it's like, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> Al calls Bigfoot the hairy devil. <laughs> I hope that yeah, hairy hope devil he can't see holograms. holograms. <laughs> I hope that hairy devil can't see holograms. Stupid superstitious Al is back. Oh, man. I love stupid superstitious Al. <laughs> of course he believes in Bigfoot. <laughs> When Daniel falls and lands in the crevice in the rocks, and then Al does the little, like, he, like, moves his hologram through the rocks, like he slides through them. Are you talking about the worst effect shot of the entire series? Oh, that, it it looked terrible. It looked really terrible, and it didn't, um, the fact that they have these interlaced SD effect shots in season five did not help. Yeah. And I didn't like, too, when the kid falls, um, they do this, like, really choppy slow-mo where, like, everyone's reacting and, like, Al turns around and it, like, it comes off comedic to me. It's not supposed to be funny in that moment, but it looks really terrible in the, like, like, it it just didn't work for me. Did you notice in the um, in the promo that's at the end of the Revenge double length episode, they have that clip uh, without all the kind of choppy effects over it. I think it's in slow mo still, but it's a lot less kind of hyper real. Did they add that to make it more frenetic or something? I guess. I feel like that was a style back then to do that, and it did not hold up. Like it never looked good. But it does make me wonder if it was if that was a last minute choice, or if just by the time they were editing the trailer, they hadn't got round to adding that effect. It might have been like in post or something, and they hadn't done that yet. Yeah, I mean, it, it feels to me like it's more of like an, an editing choice, and also you have to realize that they need to convey that this kid falls down you know, this this rocky ledge and gets wedged into some kind of tiny crevasse. That's very difficult to do, even if you've got a stuntman. Oh, sure. Yeah. So I believe this was just a workaround. Is that how you say it? Crevasse? I was saying crevice. Yeah, I say crevasse, crevice. Is it tomato, tomato? Yeah, I just think it's funnier <laughs> okay. to say crevasse. I have never heard anyone say crevasse before, but I was too embarrassed to ask. Okay. No, it's funny because one of my nephews used to have this thing where he would go, no. And Laura and I had this joke saying, oh, Ian fell down the crevasse again because no. he would always just say no or trail off. <laughs> so I've been saying it that way for many years. He snuck down in a crevice. But yes, I think uh, crevice is... is perfectly correct okay i might be wrong yeah. this has been a very <laughs> educational episode i'm just checking i've said many words wrong for years and no one ever told me that it was wrong oh, I'll, I'll correct you i'm obnoxious that way okay oh boy i have to ask again with storytelling the whole crux of this episode again is luke's struggle to accept what happened in Vietnam. Yet they pick the worst possible time for him to come to grips with it because even when he is coming (laughs) to grips with it, it's when this kid is like potentially dying and he won't do anything. He has to be convinced. Daniel! You're not going to do anything. Look, Daniel is hurt. What did he do to him? He didn't do anything to him. He he slipped and he fell in this hole. I want you to put the gun down and give us a hand. Luke, John's death wasn't your fault. It was a war. Things happen in war. Yeah, I wanted to tell you, but I just didn't know how. And then he has his freaking epiphany 
And then he's all about, come on, let's get him and let's take you guys to town and get the medicine that you want. And just like really wonky placement of all of this stuff. Maybe he was just being like so emotional in the moment. Like all of this was just building up in his mind and he just couldn't deal with it. And it had to be like that moment with Karen uh, where she says like, I knew all along. I said I do. That was me forgiving you. You knew? But you didn't say anything. But I do. I figured that was enough. But I mean, I again with with the timing and yeah, because well, it's more dramatic that way. <laughs> I guess I, I I just like and I thought I'm sorry that was a clunker line. First of all, how does she know about what happened? I thought only the four of them knew. That's why they were so tortured. Maybe Henry told her, but Sam wouldn't know that. But then why wouldn't she tell him? I know you need to let this go. Because it's more dramatic to say, I said I do. Yeah, well, it, I mean, it's possible she had, like, already made peace with it by that point. And so when they got married, like, if that was something that had um, had been an issue for her, she would have said something. But it wasn't. Her saying I do is saying she loved him. But it's clearly an issue for him. So why is she letting him suffer in silence if she knows? Well, he didn't talk about it. Maybe they didn't talk about it. He was keeping it secret the whole time. I'm sorry, that's that's not the way real life works. <laughs> <laughs> he thought that she didn't know, and he was trying to hide it, and that's why he didn't want uh, Roy and Henry to come back into town and to find this out and to ruin his marriage and his family. So it was just something unspoken. No, 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 I get I get that. I just don't find it realistic that she would um, not bring it up to him at some point when he's being an absolute monster and an ogre to her son repeatedly. Well, you're going to throw that in their face and be like, you, you, well, yeah, you got my husband no, blown up. No, 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 no. <laughs> but you'd be like, I can tell that you're struggling with this and it's not a secret. I know this is something we need to get past if we're going to live together as husband and wife, as a family. It's not, I do, it's not this magical cure-all. Do you know how many guys utterly refuse therapy like that? <laughs> it's not therapy. <laughs> it's just talking to your husband or talking to your wife. Part of therapy would be talking about it, right? Like, you'd be like... This is something we deal with. Yeah, but it's not like it's not with a third party. I don't know. I just, I did not find that realistic at all. I'm not saying you're wrong. Is this like when when um, there's the, the trope of like in the TV show or movie where it's like communication is the thing that would have fixed this, but they there's the misunderstanding. You're like, you dopes. Yeah, I guess. Like you walked in, you saw something and you ran away instead of talking about it. That's what they should have done. They should have talked about it. I've never seen a plot complication like that. Wow. Why wouldn't they have discussed this before? It takes a revelation of a kid lying, dying in a crevice. Well, then the plot wouldn't happen. Exactly. <laughs> it's just dumb. It's just fucking dumb. <laughs> Matt, you want to weigh in on this one? Uh, I'm steering well clear of this one. I was enjoying you two far too much. <laughs> I honestly didn't think that much about that scene. I, I think you two have probably both overthought it quite a bit. I want to go back and watch it again. But <laughs> it certainly never bothered me. So I never found it particularly unrealistic. I did. <laughs> but that's fine. The lady who played Karen, uh, Eileen Seeley, she was the one in an episode of uh, Next Generation that was really fascinated with data. I think that was one of the planets where we won't move. <laughs> oh. And she had like these this really cool outfit on, and then I think she had the hots for him. I think they kissed. Well. Anyway, just letting you know. Keep an eye out for that. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm currently on my Star Trek rewatch, so I will I will keep an eye out for Eileen Seeley. I'll say, oh, you were the one in that Quantum Leap episode that annoyed me. I feel like it was like the premiere of season three, because like all of a sudden, dramatically, things looked and felt a lot better. <laughs> yes, it's the the Ensigns of Command. Would it be that one? Yeah, the Ensigns of Command. Yes. Hey. Well, there you go. Look, look out for Eileen Seeley in that episode, and she was pretty good in that episode. And I think she was good in this. I think she's solid. And it's, um, I want to say it's season three, episode two, but it was filmed first. Oh, okay. I think. I know my Star Trek. <laughs> you do. Well, guys, now that we've ventured off into uh, Star Trek, um, I'm thinking, do we have much more to talk about for The Beast Within? The the kid who played Daniel was good. I just wanted to note. Yeah. As far as child actors on the show goes, he's pretty good. David Tom, what else has he done? I think he's still acting now, into adulthood. His IMDb picture has grown up. Oh, oh yeah. He's all sexy and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) On IMDb, just uh, not when he was a kid. Oh, he Um, had a long run on Young and the Restless from 1999 to 2014. Oh, NCIS New Orleans. A a reunion. (laughs) Two episodes of Cousin Skeeter? Whoa. What the? Okay, I'm not even going to ask about Cousin Skeeter. He's a puppet. (laughs) Cousin Skeeter's puppet, but everyone else isn't. Okay. Didn't ask, didn't want to know. (laughs) (laughs) One thing that I really did like about this was Velton's scoring. And um, I don't think we've been talking about Velton stuff a lot, but I think he's been doing a lot of great stuff in season five. I've noticed because when I edit, um, I always get the end credits as part of the audio. And instead of relying on just the theme song, they've been relying on the suites for the episodes that Velton has created specifically. Um for the episode that just passed, and I thought that Mm -hmm. this one was an especially good one. Yeah. I think he's doing a great job. He did a good job with the Maryland. It was a lot of saxophone again, because that's, Mm. you know, shorthand for sexy times, but um, (laughs) the Maryland stuff I thought was was pretty good too, so good job, Belton. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's great when they highlight his stuff, and I, I'm glad when they um they do the credits with something different. You know, you don't want to hear the theme again. You hear the theme all the time. Yes. Get like a nice clean version of some of the great scoring that he's doing. Yeah. If you guys don't mind, I'm going to start final thoughts. I mean, you, I, I pretty much said everything I think I need to say about this. I think this episode was um a missed opportunity for a last great standard sort of leap like a a last great traditional quantum leap in the vein of everything that made us fall in love with the show in the first place the issues oriented character driven kind of story that has become the hallmark of the show and why we're still talking about it 30 years later i wish that it had lived up to the potential of the premise i wish that if we were going to go in a cryptozoology direction we could have done a stronger venture into that allison like you mentioned it's not enough bigfoot if you're going to do bigfoot do bigfoot if you're going to do a vietnam <laughs> do a vietnam story but the mixing of the two is just it's it's disgraceful and <laughs> i'm really sorry that um it was such a fizzle because it could have been a really good episode had it just been tweaked to make it about one or the other well, I don't know about you. Uh, this was my favorite episode. Um, <laughs> absolutely treasure it. Rewatch it often. Um, no, it's it's uh, it's middle of the road. 
but I do appreciate the writing and the performances that went into it. I don't think it's anyone's particular fault. Maybe whoever decided to put Bigfoot in there. But uh, I don't think the Bigfoot thing even really detracts from it, other than being like, why did that happen? I, I just didn't find it that compelling of a story for me personally. I'm going to agree with a lot of what, Chris, you said. It's a, it's a missed opportunity, but... There's a lot of good serviceable episodes like this earlier on in the run. This is highlighted because it's, with the exception of the Bigfoot stuff, um, this is the last non-gimmicky episode. So yeah, you, you want it to be going out on a high. If this was a middle of season three or middle of season four episode, I don't think we'd be giving it as hard a time because it is just, yeah, it's it's good, confident Quantum Leap. It does have some good character relationship stuff in it. Um yeah, I I like this. And actually, I think I like it more having talked through some of this stuff with you guys tonight. Okay, so we're going to let the Beast Within lumber back into the dark forest from whence it came and turn our attention to greener pastures. And I am proud to announce that we have yet another new patron on <gasps> Patreon. So Yay! everybody, let's Yay! give a, a big round of applause for Minty. That's the only name that I believe it's a she that she left. Minty is from Canada. Hooray! Hooray! Oh, Canada. In <laughs> something, something, something. It's not even a real country anyway. <laughs> <laughs> It's real to Minty, so it's real to us. And thank you, Minty, for your um, support. Minty has joined us at the $5 Leaper level. Thanks, Minty. Thank you, Minty. And that means that she gets access to all of our Patreon-exclusive content, including Leaps Elsewhere. Uh, we have just put another one in the can about the Trial of Old Drum, which was a really terrible movie that Scott was in in the 2000s. <laughs> <Spoilers>. <laughs> and <laughs> And also we had the Fangent episode about the the Muppet show, just completely tangent off into the Muppets. We never got off of it. And that was a lot of fun, too. So a lot of stuff going on over at the Patreon feed. Uh, if you guys want to be like Minty, you can go and um, support us at the $5 Leaper level. Patreon.com slash Quantum Leap Podcast. And that will get you all of that terrific content. So check it out. Um, we also have a little bit of feedback. And it's from... A listener named Kenny Snyder. And I'll begin this. Um, he sent us an email and he wrote, Hello, I discovered your show on Google Podcasts a couple of months ago. I am so happy that I hopped on board just in time for season five. Overall, season five is my favorite and I love the Evil Leaper episodes. Yes, I'm one of them. Smiley face. So he's talking to you, Matt, I think. Nah. <laughs> I was so happy that on the latest episode of the podcast, you spoke about the extended trailer for the second half of season five that aired at the end of the original showing of Revenge. Everyone thought I was crazy and that I must have been imagining it, but you confirm that it exists. Hooray! I've been searching for the trailer online for years and always came up empty-handed. It sounds like you have a copy of it. Is it uploaded online anywhere? And can you point me in the right direction on how to find it? Thanks so much. Keep up the great work and enjoy your day. Leapingly yours, Kenny Snyder. <laughs> leapingly yours. <laughs> leapingly yours. I'm going to use that, Kenny. Thank you. Did someone say like yours in leaping or something like that? I feel like someone else had a sign off similar that was pretty good. Yeah. I, you know, we, we find I always just write keep leaping because I'm, you know, lazy. But <laughs> we have a lot of listeners that come up with better ways to say it. And uh, Kenny, I was able to find that where I find just about everything when it's not on uh, Matt TV. I get it from the Al's Place website. Now, Al's Place is 
pretty much the one-stop destination for anything you could want related to Quantum Leap. And they have uh, a video section. I think it's the first thing. It's like Al's video, whatever. But anyway, if you click through to that website, you'll be able to find it there. And uh, I mailed him back, guys, just so you know. He got a link. Here's one thing. I remember that I downloaded it, but I think it only had at Al's place, the promo part without the montage that came after it. So it had Sam and Al yes. talking or Dean and Scott talking, and then it ends before it goes to... Does anyone have that actual montage of shots? Because you were just talking about it, Matt. I know you have it, don't you? <laughs> yeah, so um, I, I'm long overdue to do this, but uh, my website, tmebooks.uk, by the time this episode goes out, uh, I will have put together a montage of clips from the revenge two-parter so all the extra bits and pieces including this um will be up there so if you go to tmebooks.uk there's already a montage there for the trilogy two and three compilation um and yeah there'll be a montage there for the uh, return and revenge compilation including yeah this this whole trailer how diggity i like to share thanks matt and thank you kenny and thank you minty we're happy to have you guys uh, be part of the podcast. And if you'd like to be like Kenny and get in touch with the podcast, there are many ways that you can do so. You can get us by phone at 707-847-6682. You can email us at quantumleappodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash quantumleappodcast. You can hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at quantumleappod. And you can always go that extra mile and support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast. Just remember that we may use your response on an upcoming episode of the Quantum Leap Podcast. And speaking of upcoming episodes, Matt, tell us what's next. Well, next, uh, I'm very excited. We're going to be talking about the leap between the states. I've spent most of this evening trying to come up with a pun about it, and I actually couldn't. I know usually I try and say something vaguely funny, but <laughs> it's just, I, I can't. It's, it's, it's fine. There's so much to unpack. There's so much we could say about it. Um, we could just end up triggering off the whole next recording right now. So let's let's save it. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I, for one, am really looking forward to Leap Between the States. Yeah, it's going to be a fun one. We'll learn all about the... <laughs> I just... We'll learn all about the health benefits of a mustard poultice. I cannot wait to discuss that aspect <laughs> of the episode. Until then, I have been Christopher DeFilippis. I've been Alison Pregler. And I've been Matt Dale. And we'll see you next time with Cousin Aubrey. <laughs> Cousin Aubrey. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Quantum Leap podcast, hosted by Allison, Matt, and Chris with voice talent and contributions from Hayden McQueenie and Zoe Dean. Visit us at quantumleappodcast.com. To support the show, please go to patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast. The executive producer of the Quantum Leap podcast is Albert Burge. Christopher DeFilippis and Hayden McQueenie are the co-executive producers. Morgan Felden and Charles Allen Gossard are the producers. 
The thoughts expressed on this podcast are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those of the Quantum Leap podcast, its partners or affiliates. The Quantum Leap universe and all it contains is the property of Belisarius Productions and Universal Television. The Quantum Leap podcast is not affiliated with Belisarius Productions or Universal Television, and no copyright infringement is intended. Please visit barrenspace.com for this and other amazing content. The Quantum Leap Podcast is a Baron Space production.